Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello, I am excited to introduce my next guest not only because he is an immigrant professional in the corporate workplace and not only because she is an ERG leader, but she is also a long-term friend from college. Tomilola Kayode Adedeji is originally from Nigeria and immigrated to the United Kingdom 12 years ago. So around the time I immigrated to the U.S., my friend from college immigrated to the United Kingdom 12 years ago. She's currently a planning manager within the oil and gas industry with over 14 years experience in project management, planning, and customer fulfillment. She has a master's in project management with project management and supply chain certifications. Tomilola is passionate about mentoring, coaching, and empowering people to grow and bring out the best in them. She is passionate about employee resource group and growing communities. Tomi Lola Kayode Adedeji is an expert in project planning and control. And she is just a dear, dear friend of mine. And I am looking forward to sharing this conversation with her uh, from different parts of the world in the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with somebody that has been in my life for a couple of years and we are in different parts of the world and having this conversation in a very different context. I'm looking forward for you to get to know and meet my friend, Tommy Lola. Hi, Tommy. Do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, Debbie. Um, yes. Yeah, so my name is Tommy Lola Kayodadidiji, but a lot of people call me Lola. Some people call me Tommy, whichever one depends. Um, so currently I reside in very beautiful Scotland. So that's in the north of the United Kingdom. Um, I've been here for about... It's snowing. Oh, it's not snowing now. <laughs> but the north, so once you hear the north, that's the colder region, obviously. Um, so I've been here 12 years now, so definitely I love it here, I guess. That's what that means. Originally, I'm from Nigeria. That's in West Africa. So I had all my initial education, undergraduate, and my initial work experience as well 
um, back home in Nigeria before I moved to Aberdeen in Scotland. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to touch on the fact that Tommy and I met uh, during our undergrad program in Nigeria. So it's interesting that we're having this conversation uh, because we don't really talk about our professional life as much. Uh, because we, we met in college and back in Nigeria and we became friends, family friends, and then we moved to different parts of the world. And so in the context of immigrants in corporates, you know, we had similar starts to our story in that, you know, doing well in Nigeria, parents are okay. And then we made the decision, we decided to leave our country and, you know, just get a better education and all of that away from family and friends. So Tommy also does, you don't have any family in Aberdeen, Scotland. No, I don't. And, and yeah. So um, I guess that's where I will start my, my question. I, I already know that you moved from Nigeria. So what made you choose Aberdeen? Um, okay. So I'll, I'll talk about what, what informed my decision to migrate in the mm -hmm. first place. And when I was moving, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the intention to migrate, to be honest. Right. I was just really coming to get my master's. That was the initial reason. So for me, the major driver for that was my passion and drive for project management and control. So while I was working back home, I was working in a financial institution as an account relationship manager. And was doing fine, um, but I just always had this passion for project management and controls. And looking around, um, for me in Nigeria back there, there was no universities that offered that, so I couldn't, you know, because I said, you know, I want to get some education on this and kind of make that a career. But back home, there was no university that offered that. So for me, then was to start looking around and saying, where can I go? Now, the decision for Aberdeen, it was a bit, it wasn't really something that I planned. So my, my job was very busy, to be honest. I had intention to move, but I was really busy at work. And then I, there was a, I think there was a, an email I got from random, maybe I must have signed up to something. And they were doing a, an open fair in Lagos. And I saw it and I said, oh, um, so that was Robert Gordon University, which is the university I finished from. And I just said, you know what, I, I'll go for this. They've got project management. So I went to do like an interview with them. And interestingly, I got, then I got an offer after that. And that was just what kind of kicked the ball rolling. And then I resigned my job and, you know, took the risk, resigned my job and said to chase my dreams. I think <laughs> um, I would say, I would say, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I think I would say maybe we're both kind of risk takers, right? Because a lot of yeah. people advised me to stay. Um, some people thought I was crazy doing that idea. You know, you've got a good job, you're doing okay. You just finished from NYC, got a job, and you're just dropping everything. And it wasn't even a study leave or anything. It was right. cold turkey, resign, and I'm out. Um, yeah. And so, but I think I, I think I'll mention, you know, just now that you know, I'm very grateful to my parents because they didn't try to stop me. They didn't try to, you know, persuade me to stay. They said, is this what you want? You understand what you're going into and all that. And I think for me, that that kind of you know that kind of not freedom but that kind of support in terms of things that I want to chase in life is being one thing that's really anchored me all through life so I was glad they didn't they weren't one of the people that tried to stop me they understood and they allowed me to chase my dream so yeah that was how I got here um, and, and that's important right I'm glad you brought up the parent side of it because again um 
I'm sm- I keep smiling because we have these in common, right? Like we have our families. Nobody's sending us away from Nigeria, right? And and you are very close to your parents, and you know you have your siblings and all of that. So, um, I, I I think the same thing sometimes. Like if our families had said no, I don't think we would have taken the the leap. But I think the fact that also goes to show how we were raised, right? Yes. Because you've been taught enough to go after what you want that they trust your decision and and they're willing to work with you if that's what you choose to do right absolutely yeah absolutely and i and i think go looking through that i think one of the times we had a chat we talked about this i think looking back it's a it's different i mean it's it's different in the sense that you know it's this is what you want to do why do you want to do it like you can you you almost grew you almost grew up making decisions for yourself so it builds that confidence to go you know what i'll go in i'll do that and i think that was and when we talk when we do get to that point i think that was one key thing as well that helped me moving away from home somewhere totally different i think that was one of the things that helped me not to pack my bags and go back home (laughs) at some point um, we'll get there yeah yeah okay yeah before we get into you know the work experience the corporate workplace and how that has been um let's talk about you actually finishing from school and getting a job how was that i mean i i came in through as a student as well and in the u.s Mm -hmm. different experience so you got the admission back in nigeria and then you moved so how long was school and then how was your job search yeah so i got the i got the admission i think it was really it was really fast for me because i think i had like a couple of months and literally the day i dropped my resignation letter i traveled out the next day and by the time I got in, school had started, so I was I was a bit late to start. My course was it was for one year with a with a placement, a few months placement. So, but coming into the UK, first of all, I was very excited. I was looking forward to a new phase of life, you know, adventure and risk. So I thought, <laughs> um, till I got the culture shock. So, we're crazy, right? Yeah, we're And crazy. when I say culture, it's different levels, right? And I mm-hmm. and I kind of broke it down in my head. I'm um, thinking about it earlier today, so. It was a shock in terms of the weather. It mm. is really cold in Aberdeen, right? It is the coldest part. Um, then the people, right? Wait, um, did you did you not think about that part when you were coming? Girl? You would you would never you wouldn't <laughs> think so. So it was it wasn't a case that I've never traveled to the UK, right? You have, but it's different when this is it. You know, it's like you're visiting somewhere and then you're living somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's it's Absolutely. different because now you're. You know, if you're just on holidays, maybe you're just in a holiday resort. You're, mm-hmm. th- this is what those people are trained to do, right? But now you're meeting everyday person. Yep. And, you know, so the people, different, obviously, different in terms of, you know, culture, but different in terms of, I've never felt out of place, different in terms of the way I look, right? You know, I'm back home, I'm used to seeing everybody like me, and I'm like, you know, I'll be somewhere and I'm like the only black person, for example. So it was different. The food totally different right i think you know from back home it's more spicy and things and here it's very bland is the reality then the language so my my perception from home is you know you come to the united kingdom it's called the united kingdom right so everybody speaks english you know and everything like that (laughs) but then i saw the (laughs) i didn't know there was accents and you know there's the scottish accent so you know i had people speaking to me in english that i didn't have a clue of what they're saying and i kept saying sorry could you say that again Right. And then, you know, people, I, I had comments like, oh, you speak very good English. And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> what am I supposed to speak? You know, so there was there was things like that. And for me, it was it was different. And maybe you know, going through life and everything, like you said, you know, having parents who are letting you go out there and be bold. For for maybe the first few times in my life, I was speechless. It was something different to me, you know. And honestly, I I remember instantly feeling homesick. Mm. And um, when I moved in, when I came over, it was winter, so it wasn't long before. So getting settled in and all that quickly, lecture started before you knew it was Christmas. And I remember my first Christmas here. And I remember that vividly because that was the first Christmas I had where I wasn't with family, Mm. which was a bit, I never thought of it. And then it was one Christmas that I cried. And I cried because, so in Aberdeen on Christmas, everything is shut down. There's no taxis, there's no buses, nothing moves, right? And then this was me, nothing was moving, just alone at home and you know how it is like back home Christmas right. is that you're going to the village or people are coming over and even not even not you know you're celebrating with your neighbor even they're bringing food it's you know you go to church and things like that so it was completely different for me and I think I did cry on Christmas Day but um, the good thing was I met other people from Nigeria here as well so Aberdeen then was like the it was it was almost like the Nigerian capital of UK, right? There was quite a lot of people. Interestingly, in my class, more than half of the class was from Nigerian. So in terms of the school, as soon as I settled in, um, it was okay because then I could I, I could assist myself with a community of people and it didn't feel as bad, you know. Mm-hmm. So by the time I go into the next year, it was fine, you know. Me and my classmates would have our birthday parties, we'll all go there. So I felt like home again so mm-hmm. I didn't really feel that you know homesick or that being far from home again except that I don't have my immediate family but again when you're when you're in a strange place right you you won't believe how quickly you get close to people that are like you so I yeah. I got I got <laughs> so I got adopted sisters pretty quickly and brothers and everything so mm-hmm. um because obviously um you know we're all away from home I, I, I even remember that when I got in I think I was a bit stranded because um, the person I was meant to meet also when I came in and I met these two other ladies who said, oh, we're also stranded, right? And then we became friends and then we stayed together in school, like we're very close friends and then we stayed together in school. So, you know, you be, you quickly get close based on the situation that you're in, something like that. So I think in terms of school, it was it was fairly okay for me because I had the community. There was also the church as well. Yeah. which was a very Nigerian-dominated church. So I had I had that, you know, that community. Okay. The only thing I'll say in terms of school that was a bit also of a struggle is the, the method of teaching was also different compared to back home, you know, where your lecturer is um, discussing with you and you're wondering, so what does he want me to say, you know? Or you're expecting your lecturer to say, well, that thing you're saying is wrong, but they don't say that because you're encouraged to, have your view something that back home would have been seen as you're being rude right Mm -hmm. you know and you know no lecturer tells you you're wrong it's you've got a perspective but what that did for me then was to reach in and feel because back home you know I probably would have been seen as you know she's rude but you know it was more of bring out my own ideas and you know things like that being able to express yourself in your face and your thesis and all that um, so yeah, for me it was it was a change, but it was also something I was quickly able to adapt to, and it was beneficial as well because it helped boost your confidence that you know you can you can have your arguments, and it's not right or wrong, but it's just different perspective. Right, right. I mean, you're a smart girl. 
you probably just <laughs> observed pretty quickly. I'm like, okay, this is what is allowed here. And we'll keep going, right? Um, yeah. School was, how long was school? So it was one year. Okay. And then I graduated. And then, so how was that experience now, getting a job and then okay. uh, getting your first job? So, um, so getting a job. <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk briefly about getting the um, working at home because I think that really helped me, right? Because I think from school and you would you would you would attest to this, or nothing really prepares you for the corporate world, right? You go there, you you're taught something, but it doesn't really prepare you for you know the corporate world. So you don't get taught these things in school. So for me, um, fresh out of school, back at home, NYC, I think the things that prepared me for the corporate world generally. Right, I would say again was my upbringing and the friends I had around me. So I eat people like you, okay. And the circle that I had, I think they prepared me. And you know, there were skills that we were learning or exhibiting then that we really didn't know what the name of it was called in the corporate world. But it's when you get there, then you know you have those skills, right? So yeah. for me, I think those were the things that prepared me. Um, also younger, and I, I don't know if you remember this, right? Mom, my mom had a business she was running and I used to help her, right? So I used to help her right from when I was quite little. So I think that got me into this. So I'll do negotiations for her. You know, I was talking to elder, older people and things like that. And I think I started my own business as well, even before I started working and before I left the you know, Nigeria. So I've, it kind of helped me in terms of, you know, negotiation, communication and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and obviously going into work back home in Nigeria, it was easier, you know, for me to kind of integrate into that. And that was kind of the experience I had there because it was quite a very corporate environment mm-hmm. is what um, I brought in as well into my job in the UK. So, so how long was your work experience in Nigeria before you moved? So I was working for about um, years. four years. Okay. Was it four, three, yeah. four years thereabouts? Okay. So you definitely had um, a few years of work outside of school yeah. back home, yeah. and, and yeah. you have that comparison. So I'll definitely ask you questions about that later. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I worked a little bit in Nigeria, of course, but it was just for like the one year and then another one year, so about two years. Um, mm. and, I, and I think, yeah, so you would have more of a context to see how that transfers into work mm-hmm. experience in, in the mm-hmm. UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you? But did still, you nothing prepares you. But still, regardless, nothing still prepares you for the corporate world mm-hmm. as an immigrant. It's as still different. Immigrant. Yep, it's still that's different. The, <laughs> that's the key, right? Is, it is still. Even if you have twenty years of work experience back home, it's still different. It's not the same thing. It's a different country. It's a different culture. It's a different corporate culture, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me about getting your first job and. Okay, so getting my first job, and I think it's something I'll probably talk about again in terms of advice, um, community, right? I mean, to be honest, coming here, if you're isolating yourself, you're not doing yourself much good, right? You, For me, it was the, because with the community, right, where we're all, we're all searching for jobs, like, you know, my class, obviously, um, because when you finish master's here, then you do get a two years post-study visa where you could, you know, you could get a job if you wanted, and if you didn't, then you you go back if you want, or if you wanted to go back, whichever one. So and I said, well, you know what? It's not like I'm going back to a job at home. I resigned, right? So let's see what happens in the two years. So I think a few 
a few months after I must have graduated in November um, and a few months kind of job hunting I think February so job hunting like apply and then February I decided to you know what I'll just go take a holiday so I took a holiday and I came to see you in San Diego <laughs> if you remember and I came to see you in San Diego 2012 and it was while I was there actually it was on Valent it was on Valentine's Day I remember that um and I said you know well instead of just sitting there do not doing Valentine's I just go see my friend so I went over and it was as I got to yours was when I got the email for the interview so in terms of you know the interview itself knowing the opportunities it was really the community that I had you know I think I was just walking past and I had a friend who said oh by the way have you tried applying to these companies and everything so there was that communication and I think it's really key important especially when you're somewhere where you know you don't know how things work you're still trying to find your feet have a community and stick to it it's it doesn't do anyone any good I think even for one's mental health to isolate yourself and when it gets to winter here I don't know if you know Aberdeen is called Granite City because all the buildings are gray so if you're not careful but I haven't been there and I don't think I want to come so (laughs) so you're not going to come and visit me what's coming to visit me that's fine You know, it's called Granite City. But the thing is, you know, the, the, the people are lovely, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like, I, would, I wouldn't I would trade anywhere in the UK for Aberdeen. I, would, I love Aberdeen. But I think the thing is, when you've not, you've not really integrated or something, you need a community to kind of, you know, so not isolating yourself. I think that helped me. So I had people, you know, there were suggestions and then obviously applied for the job, went for the interview, and um, surprisingly got the, got the job. <laughs> so that was I got my first job. Um, and what industry is that? So that was the oil and gas industry. Um, was very. That's still where you are, right? And I still actually, I've I'm, I've been in the same company for what well, different roles, but in the same company for um, how many years now? Over. Oh, over ten years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, over ten years now. Yep. All right. Well, I definitely, I think I also took a couple of months after school. Um, but I, I know what you mean about community. Because for me, I moved. I moved from Texas to California in the U.S. when I was looking for my job. Did you did you work in the same city where you went to school? Yes. Or do you work in the same city? Okay. So you had that community from school. Exactly. Um, I think that's what helped. So it was, it was like, it was like guys from your class, right? And we're all talking, like, oh, you know, there's a job here, or I went for this job. And because, you know, all from the same class, project management, so it's similar jobs that we're all applying for. Okay. You know, I went for this job interview, or oh, have you applied for here? They're recruiting here, you know. And even when you get the job, right, you can, you're able to, you know, look for maybe someone who's worked there before and ask right. questions, you know, you know, about the company, if that's where you want to work. I think one of the things somebody did tell me about, um, the company that I started working in and one of the things that I liked about it was they had this culture of developing people right and I love to learn like I'm a lifelong learner so that was one of the things I said you know what I'd like to work for that company um and it was interesting that the person who told me about it was leaving the company right so he just talked about it and I said well that'll be good a good company to work with and I think later he was leaving the company I didn't even know and um and then his role got open, and that was the role I applied for. So 
It was wow. really interesting. Still my friend till now. <laughs> you know, and, and that was the role I applied for. So for me, you know, the community did not shine away from, you know, yeah. from mixing with people and, you know, seeing what's happening. Yeah. yeah, and I think also letting people know what you're about because yeah, you never absolutely. know somebody would think about you or an opportunity. And, and it's one of the lessons in the corporate world, right, that we have to learn as immigrants, um, or, or just anyone, it's it's already hard enough that you're coming from a different country and you don't mm-hmm. have your networks. Um, but as you said, schools don't really prepare us for corporate world. No. You know, in, in classes, you're not being taught how to, you know, lead or... No, you're not. I'll, I'll tell you, I learned, I probably learned more. Um, I think one of the things I didn't mention that really helped me after, after undergrad was I read a lot of books. So I read a lot of motivational books, self-help. And I'll say those helped me a lot more and built those skills. And and when you get into the corporate world, sometimes you know some things are just expected. Right. That you know, it's not like you right. you don't get taught, especially those so-called soft skills. They're not very right. soft. You right. Know? Right. Um, I mean, the, the the technical skills will be on your resume and will get you a maybe an offer letter. Um, but those skills are what you you are leading with. Exactly, it's, it's what's gonna, it's good. It's what's gonna help you to implement even the technical skills in a productive way. It's right. good. It's what's gonna help you to add value. It's what's gonna help you to collaborate with other people as well. It's what's gonna help you to, you know, to present or to put the value you're adding in a, in a way that is of benefit to your employer, you know, to your employer and things like that. For me, it is it is key. It's like if you think about it in terms of. I think about it in terms of attitude, right? That's kind of the way I think about it. Um, there's no much a technical skill or an expertise can outweigh a bad attitude or bad soft skills. Exactly. Right? While anyone who's got good soft skills can learn anything. That's kind right. of the way. So I always put that above um, above right. um, some skills, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. So 10 years, 10 plus years, same company. <laughs> In Aberdeen, so Aberdeen must have some magic. Maybe I could be convinced to come visit. Um. <laughs> honestly, honestly, you should. The people are, they are lovely. Honestly, okay. like, like I, I always said that you know, if I'm not in Aberdeen, then I, I feel like that's the only place I can stay in the in the in the UK, right? And um, they are very lovely, very different. So I think for me, it felt a lot homely as well, more like home because okay. you know they're, they're very lovely and very open and very friendly people. So, so even outside of campus, when you started working, you found the community welcoming. Yes. Okay. Yes. See that that's that helps. Yeah, that's why you're still there. I was wondering yeah. when you're going to move Absolutely. to the US. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> and and I think I think it's not so. It's it's a two way thing. The way I look at it, right? It's a two way thing. Is um, there's so much welcoming your community can be. If you're not open to that welcome, then you're not going to get the best of it. So you would have other people who would 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 have would say differently, mm-hmm. right? You would have other people who would say differently. But I think for me, maybe the the key thing is when you have your own personal values that you you hold on to, and that guides you regardless of where you are or what you're doing, right? So we talked about being, you know, from back home. Then one of the things is <clears throat> we were also hard workers, right? So I've got something to do. I give it my all. I do it, right? And for me, if you know, if 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 I'm if I'm working, 
for, for me in like company that's one thing i've signed for that's one thing i owe the company to do right so i, I do my best right but if i'm not if if i'm not opening myself up enough for you know for people who are ready to welcome then i'm not even giving them the chance right now there would be there, there's exceptions and obviously i've had experience with exceptions as well but you know i just like i just have to i think i have this this sentence that says um assume the best intention mm. to give everybody a chance if that makes right. sense right yeah and i know there are, there are different um perspectives and arguments around that because some some environments really are just you have to assume the worst intention. <laughs> but... Yeah, and, and, and yes, you're right. And and I think for me, it's a balance, right? It's assume balance. the best intention. And if you're proven wrong, I think I'm also someone for if somebody is really not being good, call them out. Right, right. right? I, you know, I, I, I don't believe in, you know, sit down, sit back and let people walk over you and be nasty if they wanted to right? right so assume the best intention is that you're giving people a chance sincerely but if people do and not you know i would be one to first call the person out right, right? so there has to be boundaries if that makes sense right you know there right. has to be boundaries it's not a, a you know best intention even if it's obviously the person is not being is not yeah. deserving the best intention right um there has to be boundaries and is is you know is being patient enough to to allow that collaboration and that change but also knowing that there is a boundary where that's it yeah you have to put up to it yeah absolutely so you've been there a while and um i think part of the focus of this podcast of this conversation is for immigrants so somebody in your shoes who is coming fresh from niger like we did <laughs> into aberdeen comfortable background you know supportive parents and i can do whatever i want to do and then you get into the corporate workplace in aberdeen um what are some of the areas that you know if you could talk to your younger self some of the advice you will give um coming Hmm. in like what tools did you leverage what um what helped you to my younger self (laughs) you don't want to feel old (laughs) um i think i think i think what i'll say is right what i'll say is first of all you know getting into the corporate world so for me you know having worked at home i'm like okay yeah this will be fine and all that it was a different experience from back home right you know for the same reasons culture and all that and then there was this pressure i felt like you know pressure to not like anyone was putting the pressure on you but i don't know I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, pressure to be some way, pressure to, I don't know if it's be among is what I'm going to say, but there's a lot of things you see because you don't understand it. It's very confusing, right? Right. And um, I think, I think as human beings, right, the key thing for us is we really want understanding and we want connection at the end of the day. So I think for me is to, for me, it was step back right and then put myself in the shoes of the other person and i'm saying okay so i'm looking to fit in here i feel very out of place right if i was the other person who there's this newbie that comes in and is feeling out of place you know different culture and everything what could i do well no sorry if i was the other person right what would i want from that person to help me help them better if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so for me it was 
I don't I think from back home there was this and it's I don't know if it's respect or something, but you know, you're not you feel like you shouldn't say this is not corporate and things like that, you know, and things like that. Um but I think nobody's a mind reader, right? Right. Nobody's a mind reader. Um if you're not if you don't open up to be vulnerable and I use that word carefully, not comp not too vulnerable, I mean with the trust, because then again people could could take that. Mm-hmm. You know, open up to be vulnerable enough to mm-hmm. let people understand you mm-hmm. and also seek to understand them. Right. Yeah. And not being ashamed about it. I think I think one of the things is that the fear of the fear of how people are gonna look at you when you ask this question and that question mm-hmm. makes a lot of people go mute, right? right? And I'll just ask the question. Sometimes people laugh, I'm like, but what's funny? I'm asking because I don't know. Right. <laughs> and I and I'll say there was one there was one um there was one um there was an experience I had one of my colleagues who honestly there's a there's a strong accent in Aberdeen. The the norther you go, like literally, you know, the person is speaking English but I don't understand. And you know, it got to a point I said and I said and I see a lot of people do it, assume they understand and then take a different but I was like, there's no point in me assuming I understand you when I don't and then I go off and do something. So I said, Sorry, I I don't understand. And it got to a point where me and my colleague had to agree that whenever she was gonna to speak to me, she had to write it down and then say it till I got right. I didn't I and and, and I'm using this as an example because sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves, like you know, I'm the one that is meant to understand Mm. everything about this person i'm the one no it's a different culture for you as well right you've never seen that so it's a two-way right. thing and i think not putting that pressure on yourself being open enough to understand understand other people but not putting that pressure on yourself mm-hmm. the one other thing i'm going to say and probably the most important one is make sure you always show up with your authentic self right don't don't try to be somebody else mm. i don't know if i you know if that makes sense don't try it's it's like this if if you're your authentic self, right, then you're giving people the chance to know the real you, right? And then you're comfortable in your own skin, in what you're doing, right? And right. even if you're different in kind of your beliefs and values, that's what makes you unique and that's fine. And that's fine, yep. Right. And and, and to to me, that's fine, right? I think the other thing I'll say as well is um is um know your job. I think that's probably the first one, right? Know your job. And I think that's one thing for me as a person. It's kind of my own personal principle. Like, you know, this is what I need to do. I'll do my job. So I know, you know, if if I had to burn the midnight candle to understand what I need to do to do my job, I did that. I gave it my all, right? So that I'm not, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want people to cut me slack because, oh, no, you know, she's an immigrant. So I don't, I don't like that, right? And I yeah. think that helped to be able to say, you know what? Um, you know, you're here to work. We're given the same value. You, you being nice to me or civil with me, you're not doing me any favors. Right. That's the way it should be, right? Human right. to human and things like that. So, and the other thing that really helped me as well is ERGs. Yes, speaking my language, employer Join resources. an ERG, um, <laughs> because. And I think the reason I was really passionate about ERG, I think when I joined the company, I didn't think we had that, but now that we had. Um, so I'm leading two ERGs just now. So we have the Black Employees Network. So for the Scotland um, site, I'm the lead there. And then we have the ABC, which is a which is a sub subsession for STEM. But we're kind of dealing with kids in primary school and trying to get them to link with other kids in Africa and get their culture. And I think it's it's really it was really key for me because 
And first of all, it gives you a community to belong to within the workplace and it really helped me. But also for me, the key thing about ERG is not just a, it's not just a little club for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, how do we get people? And I, I don't like to use the word allies, right? Because it's almost, it almost feels like patronizing. How do we get people to understand this group of people so that we can all work together? Right. right. Right, I love that. And um, I think the month of October was our Black History Month, which we did um, some activities. And I think what was really key for me was we had a Q&A session, which was interesting. And we had like a panel of some of the leaders to ask, to answer the questions that people would normally not ask. You know, mm-hmm. people are scared of asking, thinking it's not appropriate and things like that. You know, and we got all the questions beforehand and then they asked it. And it was what opened my eyes there is that, you know, as much as you want to be understood, people actually want to understand you as well, right? Right. It's just that some people just don't know how. Right. You know, yeah. and, you know, how do I go about it? What do I see? So it's not like, you know, and, and for people, sometimes when you don't know what to do, you're just silent, mm-hmm. right? But then again, I think the team we had for this year was time for action, not words. You being silent is also some sort of action, right? Right, right. And and you, you touched on a couple of things and I, I definitely enjoyed listening to all that because I think perspective even comes to play here because you're saying some things. Um, we basically had similar childhood and then we moved to a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. And part of the conversations under Immigrant Incorporate is also, it's the culture you were raised, it's the culture of the country you're in, and then it's the corporate culture. Correct. There's three different cultures, right? So I'm just trying to look trying to look at the different ways where your experience is different from mine because of the culture of the place where you are. Yep. The country so, where you are. Because yes. you're talking about communication and accent. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those that was on that other side of nobody would understand me and then I'll feel really excluded. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's the difference in the way the questions are asked, right? You yep. are explaining, asking somebody at work, that you don't understand them and you figured out a way to walk around that, like write it down so that I can read it. I can really get what you're saying. I experienced a lot of the, I don't know what you're saying without the invitation to learn more. I experienced mm. a lot of, I can't hear you. And, 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 that, and, and to be, to be fair, there were times I had people say, sorry, could you say that again? I don't know what and. Not, not just that. So there, there were times, and I remember this, there were times when, you know, the terms you use, the terms you use back home that it's different just kind of because of slang, right? So I'll give an example. I don't know if that's the best one, but I was speaking to a colleague of mine and I said, oh, I have to go and get my, this was more like a, an, a grammatical error more than anything. But I think I said, I have to go and get my um, my drugs. I was meant to say medication. So, you know, my colleague was laughing. He's like, Lola, are you on drugs? I'm like, I don't understand what you mean. And then he said... But it's drugs. And then he said, no, it's medication. That's the thing. So so back at home, right, you've got... So back at home, you've got a mixture of American English and English, right? right. And I think we pick a lot of the American one. And for whatever so we, reasons, we it's call different. It, we call medication drugs, right? No, they call it... Med- drugs are here. It's hard drugs. No, no, no. But in back home, what do we call it? It's drugs. medicine, medication, medicine. We call it drugs. Yeah, or that's drugs. Yes, that's what we call it back right. home. I've become Americanized now. <laughs> you know, but 
it's but but you see it's things like it's it's things like that right but i think for me it's again is how one reacts to it too you know mm-hmm. when it happened and then the person you know said oh lola are you on drugs i'm like no i'm not on drugs what do you mean oh yeah but it, it's a drugs medication <laughs> and then i said oh is that you know and then we and i said oh why do you say that so i think one thing for me is every time someone misunderstands me on something mm-hmm. i would ask them i'll say oh why did you laugh at that why are you saying that why do you yeah. think that's wrong and sometimes it could be well that's the way you think about it that's where i think about it and that's fine um i think is and again it's it's it comes with the trust right it comes with the relationship you have with the press so this press color person i'm talking about someone that you know when i came in was like a mentor to me so we had that relationship you know right right. and there are times when people are trying to um mock around or they'll say and take the pieces what they say here right about it and times like that i do have serious conversations with the person you know what no you can't speak to me like that or that's not appropriate if you think i'm saying something not right you know you should ask to be clear because right we we grew up differently so i'm not expected to know how to say it your way or do it your way so mm-hmm. you should communicate and for me i think that's the key thing is that communication communication you know yeah. and the intention as well right the, if yeah. the intention is to understand the other person then you would ask questions then right. you would think about how you would ask it because you're not trying to mock them you're trying to understand them right and and I think you also talked about the difference in culture in that approach, right? Because back home, it, it's almost like you defer to somebody else who is older mm-hmm. than you at work because you you know they are the boss or the leader or higher than you, so you can't ask questions. And then we come into a different country where the culture is to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, you can speak up, you yeah. can have an opinion. And and I think I also struggled with that coming in um, into corporate America with mm-hmm. in a in a STEM field where there's a lot of older white male. So in yeah. a lot of ways, people that are different from me, but are people that also see, you know, consciously or unconsciously as superior, hmm. right? Because they are the bosses and they are the dominant race and and personality, and not being able to speak up even when you have an opinion and it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of intentionality to learn how hmm. to speak. In, I in think, I, I think there's also a bit of, so if you think about the fact that you are in the States and I'm in United Kingdom, I think the culture might also come to play, right? So if you think about the culture with America and English, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Americans are a lot more outspoken. I would say, well, the English were a lot more conservative, right? So, people would not necessarily talk over you or, you know, they might say that behind you, but not. Right? Mm. So it might have been easier for me than if I had a white male who was, I mean, I've, I have American colleagues, you know, and I hear them on calls and things like that. It's <laughs> it's totally different, right? So, so because I'm just thinking about it, because I was going to, I was going to say before when you said, I was going to say, you know what, maybe because we were to some extent looked at as recalcitrant back at home, we we friend okay <laughs> no we <laughs> you know a bit no no a bit a bit of you know she's got a mind of her own she knows exactly what she wants and she's gonna say it right uh-huh you know and and back home if you looked at us what's wrong with her you know she's a woman she shouldn't be that but yeah so okay. it's so not normally in a normal environment it's easier for us to fit in in the corporate world because then 
you know, I can speak, people will listen to me to see my mind and, you know, they won't take it as being rude. But I think for you as well, I think you need to consider the culture in the States and the UK. Yes. It's hugely different. It's hugely yeah. different here. People are a lot more conservative. People, yeah. in fact, if you're speaking on, if you're speaking in increased or you're speaking too fast, it's it's interpreted as something as well. Right. With the Americans, completely different. Yeah, completely and I different. think I, I, yeah. So I had to deal with that a lot. Um, I think it took me a while to find my voice back. Hmm. Um, in in a different way because I grew up, um, you know my dad. I grew up in a kind of home where my dad is like, speak your mind. What made you think that was okay to do, right? Yeah, it's not a traditional Nigerian home, but yeah. it's the way I was raised. Is you have a voice, you have a mind. There should be like, speak up, speak for mm-hmm. yourself. Uh, but then getting into America and gradually losing that voice because you're realizing, hmm. oh, I'm not from here. Oh, these people know more than I do. Oh, nobody's going to listen to me. Oh, I can't speak out over them. And right. And then coming to a point where now finding myself and my voice back um, to say, it doesn't matter if I'm the youngest in the room. It doesn't matter if I look completely different from anybody. This is my role. Exactly. Yeah. In project management too. It's like, I'm here, I'm leading this project or I'm leading this, um, this section and I need to speak up. And and to be honest with you, there were so just as set out generally as a culture, especially in Scotland, you know, people are a lot more reserved. But again, you would you would have people who are different. Right. Right. So I've had people I mean I've had <laughs> I've had people literally loud and rude to my face, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had to deal with that. I've had I think I always said that, you know, I've had to deal with that. I've had to deal with um with people who just don't want to work with you for whatever reasons, I don't know, right? right? And I think, so I've had to deal with that with, you know, generally as a culture, it's not like that, but you would have, in, you have excuse me, you would have individuals who would be like that. And I think having to deal with individuals like that for me is, I think the first thing is I don't take it, not, I don't want to say personal because yeah, it is personal, but I don't take it emotional at the first, because this is the right. thing then here as well, it's your reaction. You're judged by your reaction. So you mm-hmm. have to be, you know, so you take it, it's going to be over. So I don't take it. I think for me is I go, for me, things like that, I kind of, there's a there's a company process and procedure and things, right, to handle things. And I just go professional on it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I, you right. know, I just go professional. I need to say, you know what, that's unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what we need to do. We need to escalate that. That's kind of the way I deal with that because those things are in place for things like that. And people would, you know, should understand that, well, you don't think, you you can't assume you can behave sort, in such a way, and I wouldn't say anything, because I'm not scared of you or anything, right? Right, right. So I think for me, so I, I've had a few not very nice situations, but then again, to my first point, where I said, know your job and do your job, right? Those are the things that have spoken for me when things have been escalated. I've had a lot of people reporting right. to my manager, you know, and things like that, yeah. but those were the things that will then speak for you, because you you know you have a principle and a value that you're holding yourself to and everybody sees you consistently behaving and delivering with that right right so it's more like you know, it's more like establishing your own um your own uh, what do you call this reputation reputation right so that yeah. if when something happens right is establishing and and for me if you're not bringing your authentic self to work or to wherever you're migrating to then you're going to be the repetition of whoever it is that you right. want to fit 
fit in. And yeah. for me, I think for me, that's the key thing. Be yourself. You know, don't don't try to. I mean, be yourself as a human being. Like you know, not be yourself in a in a in a negative way. You know, I think it was one thing I always said, and and it's one thing that kind of um, is one thing that has been like my my guide all through when I was working, and it's something from the Bible, right? Because you know, I'm I'm a Christian. I believe in in Jesus Christ, and it's one thing I think one part in the Bible that said, whatever you find your hand to do, do it well. Do it like you're doing it to for God and not to man. So with that in mind, right, when I'm working or anything, regardless of what anybody does, it doesn't make a difference to me in terms of the the output of the work that I'm doing because I'm looking like, you know, I'm not doing it for you, right? Right, right. So for me, that has kind of, that. to be honest with you, that's really, really, really my anchor. So in anything... I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing so regardless of what you do, I'm holding myself to the standard, regardless right. of what you do. But in terms of dealing with what you're doing in the corporate world, there's a process and we'll go through that. But I'm not right. gonna let you break me because sometimes when people are like that is because they want you to break and snap and do something that is unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know we could do like a second hour or we can do you know we can do we can do all day here. This is so funny because, as I said, if you're listening to this, Tommy is my friend from way back in Nigeria, <laughs> and then we both took off and went to the UK and the US and working in the corporate space. And there's a lot of comparison there. There's a lot of bringing out that the culture of where you are and how the culture of how you were raised can help you. So um, thank you for the advice. Thank you for the insights. I think you touched on community. You talked on... Yeah. asking questions you talked on the fact that we also have a part to play right it's not just uh the the country or the company we we have to open up we have to be open to receiving as well and that might be easier said than done in some parts of the world and, mm-hmm. and this where observing the culture of where you are is important yeah absolutely i mean it's not it's not again it's not you know it's not i don't want to say foolish but it's not just unreasonable opening up it's it's you need to also, like you said, think of the, you know, the environment, the culture mm-hmm. and all that. But then again, if your aim is that you want to work with people, you know, at the end of the day, Scott, you know, Aberdeen is my home, right? I wouldn't want to stay somewhere 12 years where I'm just getting by or I'm just managing. Right. That would be right. disastrous and dis- depressing. So again, it could be a case where maybe that place is not for you. If I was in a company where the culture is completely exactly. different, it's unbearable for me. I would have left because nobody should. So sometimes it could be the realization that, you know what, the culture of this company or something is toxic, right. is not good for me, and the right thing is to... And, and that's fine. That's being true right. to yourself as well. Right. You know, be right. do, don't think that you're stuck somewhere and you have to stay there. Right. Not, not every place is for you. And, yeah, and absolutely. Look for, the, look the, there are companies I hear, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, this, that, and I'm like, I'm, I can never work there and I would never even apply there, you know, and, and it's, it's, and it's not being your, taking your authentic self to work because you've got one life to live, right? Yes. I wouldn't be happy if the 12 years I've been here, I've been miserable. And you spend more time at work than, than at, at home. home. Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't be happy if the 12 years I've been here, I've been, I've been miserable. So no, but it's been, it's been 12 beautiful years. Um, I met my husband here as well and um, got married here. So Scotland is home. If I didn't like it, 
<laughs> you won't be here. I won't stick my life, you know. Oh, well. So forget about trying to convince you to move to the United States. But okay, I hear you. <laughs> I'll still be visiting, don't worry. <laughs> All right, girlfriend. Well, it's nice to talk about this aspect of our life. I mean, yeah. I know it's, yeah. um, it's kind of hard to keep up friendships across the miles, but I think we've tried. Yeah, we're doing a good job. I think so. And and we definitely should compare notes on this again. Thank you so much for coming. Before you run away, I'm going to ask you a question about food. Oh, my favorite guest at the end. So, my favorite. You could share a dish or a snack or something to eat with your coworkers from your own country. What will it be and why? Okay, if they were Africans, I would have. I would have shared jollof rice, and the why would be to tell them that Nigerian jollof is the best. <laughs> but if they're not from Africa, <laughs> it would be puff puff and meat pie, and no. that's because um, puff puff is too. That's because I'm thinking, what do we have at home that is similar as well? To tell, just to tell people that see, at the end, at the core of it all. We're all humans. We've got that similarity. Mm-hmm. And we did that during the Black History Month grand finale we had last week. So we had jollof rice and then we had puff puff and meat fry as well. And when my colleagues had it, they said, oh, this is just like donut. I'm like, yeah, donut without the nuts, you know? Yeah. And then meat pie as well. So I said, see, we're a lot more similar than we think. Yeah, and we I think. think for me, that's the key mm-hmm. message yeah. um, I would like to yeah. finish with. So yes, puff puff and meat pie. But anybody from Africa, jollof rice, because Nigeria jollof is the best. <laughs> thank you, tell me, Lola. You are so nice talking to you. And thank you for hanging out with me to be continued. It was a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.